When I was eight years old, we were given a school project to make our own musical instrument. The idea was that perhaps you'd get a cardboard from a toilet roll and fill it up with beads and cover the ends and you can make a shaker. Or perhaps get some rubber bands and put them round an old cereal box and you can kind of make it a little bit of a guitar. Now I come from a musical family. My dad is a music teacher and my siblings and I would just grow up learning different instruments. My sister played the flute, I played the trumpet uh, and my brother played the violin and since then the guitar and the bass and the piano and the drums and pretty much anything that you can imagine. So at eight years old, it never really crossed my mind just to make a shaker out of some loo roll. I went home and told my dad that we had to make a real working bass guitar for school. Now my dad, as well as being a musician, has always been just pretty handy at making things and repairing things. So that spring, in the shed at the bottom of our garden, we would build together a working bass guitar. I mean, we put real guitar strings on it and we painted it black and I cut it to make it look like a flying V, like all the cool guitar pitches I'd seen. We even put a pickup in it and my dad did the electrics and so it would work when it was plugged in. 20 years later, it still hangs up in my dad's study. Now, I wouldn't, but if I ever tried to sell this to someone who wanted to learn the guitar, perhaps, I'd probably really struggle. I certainly wouldn't get much for it. I mean, financially, it's just not worth very much at all. If someone who knew loads of about guitars took a look at it, they could probably tell you a whole bunch about it. They could tell you why it just wasn't worth very much or why people wouldn't buy it, why it didn't sound very good, and certainly in comparison to real shop-made guitars. If an engineer was to look at it, they could tell you that the electrics that we put in it weren't really anything special. Or if a scientist looked at it, they would perhaps tell you how old it was or maybe what paint was used, but none of them would tell you it was worth very much. And yet for me, this guitar is priceless. It holds enormous worth. And you see, that's the thing. The reason these people wouldn't see its worth is because they would ask a particular set of questions, good questions. They would ask what it was made out of, when it was made, maybe even how it was made. But those things aren't the things that make this valuable. You only realize its value when you ask questions like who made it and why did they make it? You see, those questions aren't as simple to answer, but it, it's true with you too, your life and the world in which you find yourself. Whilst it's amazing to find out what you're made from or maybe when you were made or how life came about, answering these questions won't bring you to a place of understanding the most important things, things like meaning and value. To understand those things, you need to understand who made you and the world that you live in and why they ever bothered. So how did I come to faith? I'm now in my 50s and it was, this was quite a while ago. I was 23, I think, when, when, the, when I met Jesus, when I uh, was, my eyes were opened really, I suppose I, I could say. So I was at university and in my last term of my last year, and I can distinctly remember being outside with my housemates. We were in Hull and the, we knew the house behind us who had, had an adjoining garden uh, was full of 
girls, which was, you know, that was of key interest to us throughout the last year of our studies, but we never really got the courage to go and ask them for a bowl of sugar or something, so we never really met them. But on the last day before the exam started, we were out revising, and the boyfriend of one of them, who was a Kiwi guy called Raymond, who put his head over the fence and asked us over for a, bar for a barbecue. We didn't have to be asked twice, we just went, put the books away, went down to the off-licence, got a whole load of cans of beer and things, and just went across the for this barbecue. Unbeknownst to us, these people were all Christians, and I know this was... I'm coming from a background of having no church in my past, really no, I mean, just complete ignorance, really. i just come from a, I suppose, a background where I didn't... I thought about material things. I didn't... I was completely ignorant about... Um, in any way, shape or form, how, what life meant, if you like, how to do life apart from just looking at others around me thinking, well, they're doing that, so I'll do that as well. So the more I got talking to them, the more I, I just realised mostly it was what they, how they were together was, was amazing. There was a household of students who had a neat and tidy house, didn't fight and squabble, all seemed to get on really well. And it, it all seemed just like so different to my own life, uh, where we had like, a, you know, a mouldy bathroom, a messy kitchen, just drinking beer all the time, smoking drugs, just, just kind of all the things that you, I suppose, people do with students. Um, and that really got me, that contrast between, I suppose, my drift along kind of life and their their life of, of sort of somehow, uh, there was something about them where they were... There was an intention to their lives. They were they were going somewhere, but they were also happy to not strive and not always be you know in 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 control of things. And I couldn't put my finger on what that was. I knew um, there was religion involved, but what just astounded me was it's not it's not about what or how. It's about who. It's it's about this man Jesus. You know, it's, and actually. You can kind of touch him and feel him because God's God sent His Son to be with us as as a man, not just is this sort of hard to understand thing. You know, it was He's actually uh, came as as a man and you know lived and breathed. The more they talked about this person Jesus, and the more they brought it back to Him, the more I I realised that there is really something here that I need to I need to actually do something about. A writer called Philip Yancey once wrote this, you can tell the size of a ship by the huge wake it leaves behind. I mean, think of some of the people who've left a huge wake in the world behind them. Martin Luther King, Churchill, Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa, Pele. Actually, Pele, the footballer, he once said this, wherever you go in the world, there are three icons that everyone knows. Jesus Christ, Pele and Coca-Cola. <laughs> Actually, I want to suggest Jesus Christ is head and shoulders above every other person who's ever walked on planet Earth. Let me prove it. What year is it? Yep, that's right. We tell the time based on when this guy was born. Millions of people wear crosses which were symbols of torture and death. We have Christmas. We have Easter. And then look at the impact that this man and his followers have had on the planet. Literature, architecture, science, medicine, universities, music, arts, the list goes on and on. But what's really extraordinary is the facts about this one man. 
You see, he was born in an obscure village to a peasant family. He never travelled further than 200 miles from his home, wrote no books, only had three years on the stage, really, died a horrific death, crucified between two criminals while the executioners gambled for his clothes. Then he was laid to rest in a borrowed tomb. Yet 2,000 years later, his life, teaching, message and mission still fascinate millions of people. He's a really big deal. Jesus himself asked his followers a question, and it's such an important question. And it's this, who do you say I am? See, the challenge with Jesus, I think, is not so much the life that we know, it's the beginning and the end of his life, because that's where the supernatural dynamics come in, and we'll get to that. You see, here's the thing. People have an image of Jesus and can't fit God into it, or people have an image of God and can't fit Jesus into it. Who do others say Jesus was? Buddhism teaches that Jesus was not God, but an enlightened man like Buddha. Hinduism teaches that Jesus was the incarnation of a God, just like Krishna. Islam teaches that Jesus was a man and a prophet, but inferior to Muhammad. Jehovah's Witnesses say that Jesus was like an archangel, a created being that became a man. And Scientology teaches that Jesus was an implant forced on Thetan about a million years ago. People have all kinds of views about who Jesus was. But you see, none of these views are based in any kind of history or fact. So what do we know? What do we know? Well, to help answer that question, let's ask a few other questions first. What about this one? Did he actually exist? Or is Jesus a myth, a fairy tale, or a legend? Here's the thing, and I can answer this really quickly. No sensible historian believes that anymore. In fact, there's more historical evidence for Jesus Christ and the life of Jesus than there is for Julius Caesar landing on the shores of Britain. So what did he look like? If you've seen some pictures, you might think that he, he, you know, he looked like someone from an ABBA tribute band. Well, he definitely didn't look like that. Was he tall, dark and handsome? Well, we know definitely that he was dark because that's where he came from in the world, in the Middle East. But other than that, we don't really know what he looked like. Did he have a family? Actually, yes, he did. And one of his brothers was James who was very sceptical about, about his brother being the, the son of God, okay? And you'd have to be, wouldn't you? I mean, what would your brother have to do to convince you, <laughs> you know, that you were the son of God? I mean, what would he have to do? But that's evidence there, right there for me, that his own brother, who was sceptical, became a believer that his brother was actually the son of God. Jesus is a big deal. Then what did Jesus say about himself? This is where it gets really spicy. He ruffled feathers because he claimed to the title I am, which is a Jewish phrase that literally means God. It was saying that I am God on the earth. And he claimed to do things that only God could do. This is where we're faced with a choice, not an emotional one, but a rational one. Because this was almost scandalous. Is this just a man or or, or is he more than a man? C.S. Lewis, that famous writer, articulates the choice better than most when he said, and I'm paraphrasing this, okay, that either, either Jesus was a liar, a lunatic, or he was Lord. In other words, he was mad, bad, or God. Just a good man or a good teacher, I'm sorry, but he was much more than that. So what did Jesus not just say about himself, but what did Jesus show about himself? This is where I think Jesus is such a big deal. Not just the amazing words that are still woven into the fabric of our society, but the way he lived his life, the strength that he showed, the physical strength, the mental, the emotional, 
But not only that, the sensitivity, the compassion for people. Working class men wanted to hang around with him. Young children uh, felt comfortable in his presence and women felt valued and affirmed. All of this was countercultural. Just an incredible man. Why did he come to planet Earth? Well, this is the great risk of love. This is what we talked about in the last session, the story of the lovesick father, who when he saw his son coming home, he ran towards him. This is why Jesus came, because God the Father said, you know, I don't want to just speak about my love, I want to show my love. And so he sent himself in the form of Jesus. Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Why Jesus is such a big deal is because he is the bridge over which we cross to know God for ourselves You know, there's a gap between us and God and it can't be filled by anything we can do. It can only be filled by him. And we get to walk across that bridge to God. Then we experience the lovesick father we spoke about before. And then the sense, meaning, purpose, resource and peace that we spoke about in session one. When Jesus was born, it seemed no big deal. When Jesus died to many, it was no big deal. But history proves and millions of people's lives have proved Jesus was and is a really big deal. Curious? I hope you are. Amongst the, the people I met in Hull is, it was Nikki, who I've married, been married to for 30 years. Um, so there was a lot of interest in that as well for me. But at the same time, all these mixed things were going on about who am I, where am I going, why is it they've got something that I don't have, and so on. So I just thought I'd want to ask a whole load of questions and signed up for Discovering Christianity. It's a bit like Alpha. And I was in London at the time, so fast forwarding to when I was working, that's when I did this course called Discovering Christianity. And that was meant to last for like 12 weeks, but we ended up um, continuing it for 18 months as a group because gradually we, we were sort of becoming Christians during that time. I think I was probably the first person to become a Christian after about the fourth week um, because by that time I'd already started looking into things and everything they were saying and everything they were, the people on the course who were giving the course, were was really consistent, completely consistent with how these people in Hull that I got to know were about their lives and it was like you kind of get a stick of rock and cut it in anywhere and it says the same thing inside. It's too true to ignore and what do you do if, if if you're confronted with the truth? You either back away from it, defer it or actually confront it and do something about it. So when we looked at the resurrection and the evidence for that, I just, just, it's just, you can't deny really, it's just irrefutable. And I said, I just said to God, look, I'm I didn't, don't, don't think I prayed the, you know, the correct prayer, if there, is, if there is a correct prayer. I remember just reaching out to God for the first time in my life, really. A change happened that, at that point. Um, and I was then much more open to, to really hearing things, things about God um, and less conceited and less, less sure of, well, really unsure of, of my previous life, really. There's a story that Jesus told that I always seem to get back to. Um, and it's about this, the father who had two sons and the older son was the one who stayed home and the younger son was the one who ran off and you know, s- squandered the father's um, inheritance and uh, got himself into a mess. And I've, I just suppose in my Christian life, I've, I realized it was the first son, if you like the younger son that I came to God as. 
When it comes to looking for answers about redemption and salvation and meaning and value, the answers can't be found in anything changeable. It has to be found in something constant, in a person, in a who, and in a why. Jesus claims to be that person. Now, if you're not convinced of that straight away, I don't blame you. A claim like that probably deserves to be scrutinized. And you could look at his teachings and how thousands of years later, the greatest societies that have ever existed still today use his teachings in their very foundations. You could look at the church that sprang out from his life and how 2000 years later, it's still growing with people who claim that they know and have experienced Jesus. But ultimately, it's the death and the resurrection of Jesus that everything falls on. It's only that which only someone who is fully God could do. Only that that could really bring salvation. But he doesn't force your hand. He asks you the question and waits for your response. Who do you say I am? So who do you say that he is? C.S. Lewis, the theologian, the writer, and the university professor, perhaps most well known for writing the Narnia Chronicles, once said that you can't just write Jesus off as being a good teacher. He said, a man who was merely a man and said these sort of things, Jesus said, would not be a great moral teacher. I mean, either he would be a lunatic on the level of a man who said that he's a poached egg, or he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. So let me ask you, who do you say that Jesus was? Have you ever given it much thought? And can you think of a question on earth that's worth answering more? I believe that he was telling the truth. I believe that the evidence points to that. I mean, call me mad, but I believe that he's alive today and that he wants you to come to him. I believe that he loves you and wants to lead you. But it starts with a question. Who do you say I am?